a pandemic of gender swapping, a pandemic of confusion all over the world. Men, women, boys, girls, you can't even use those terms in, in a lot of places. Just what I just said is enough to create a controversy. In some of our public schools, they're not allowing the teachers to call identifiable, genetically identifiable girls, young ladies. So no, you can't call them that anymore. They're not allowing institutions to call genetically identifiable young men, young men anymore. I said, no, you can't do that anymore. There are places where you cannot call anyone anything other than what they want to be called. Whatever they identify with on that day is what you are required to call them. Upon penalty of your job or your position, or your standing, it has come down to a very crucial point. So today as we're speaking on this subject, as I spoke to my brother, we said, God put this topic on the mark many months ago. And this message has sat and sat and sat, waiting for God's divine timing. Now let me say this, once you go here on record, there's no going back. There are a number of ministers and pastors who thought they would be bold enough to stay the course. And they came out many years ago with a, a particular position on the gay agenda. But the pressure that they received from congregants and from the public sector and the money they began to lose as a result of making such a statement, many of them recanted. They changed their minds. They backed up. They said, that's a hot potato. And if you're going to touch that, get ready to receive the flack that comes with that decision. So for the parents who are listening online, for the parents who are listening in this place, what is it you want to tell your children about their sexuality? Is it or is it not in the Bible? If it's in the Bible, you should be able to find it. <laughs> and if it's not in the Bible, you would then expect you can't find it. So what we're going to do as a group of believers, is open the word. Amen. Amen. If the numbers of gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered persons are increasing, there is a reason. I would say that about anything. Now let me say this. Well, there are many times I will have to stop and qualify statements. So just be patient with me in Jesus' name. We may not get through all this today. Everything you say in this conversation, you have to clarify. If you leave a crack open for the enemy, he will take it, twist what you're saying, and make you say something else. I've seen it a thousand times. I've seen it on debates. I've seen it on college campuses. I've seen it in, in churches. Someone is trying to make a clear statement. But what you have to recognize is if someone is opposed to your position, nothing you say will satisfy them. Nothing. 
No matter how you entreat, no matter how you try to make it clear, so if someone is against your position, they will take what you say, they will twist it out of context. Mm -hmm. Ask God. He knows. Ask God. He knows. How many translations of Bibles are there? How many versions? So God knows what it's like to, to say something very succinctly and clearly and have others take it and pick it apart and make it say something else. So when we put this subject out there, we're speaking from the heart of love. We, and I'm speaking of myself inclusive of yourselves, are Christians. We are duty-bound and commanded to love every person. We don't love sin, we love people. We established that last week, we established it again now, and so we want it to be on record. We're speaking from the position of love and clarity. So if something is increasing, there has to be a reason. If you are sitting in your, let's say, your bathtub, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden the water is up to your knees. And then, you, and then it's up to your chest. Why is the water increasing in the bathtub? Why is the water increasing? The tap is open. I'm glad there's a brain surgeon in the room. The tap is open. So if something is increasing, something is open, beloved. Something is open. If sin is abounding, something is open. If righteousness is abounding, something is open. If your heart is open to God, you are increasing, are you not? You should not be staying the same. So if we can see that here, we can see this there. So let's ask a fundamental question. What did God make? Let's begin at the book of beginnings. Let's begin at Genesis. What did God, the creator of the universe, what did he make? If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you're making notes, you can copy notes. If you want a transcript, we can send you a transcript later. Genesis 1.27. So God created. Let me park there for a minute. Put my car in neutral and focus on what I just read. Who created? God. All right. So the creator is responsible for everything you see. Correct? Yep. All right, I just want to make sure that I'm reading what you're reading. So God created man in his own image. Hmm, that sounds like copyright law to me. What do you think? <laughs> it's his own design. It's his own handiwork. If a person in our generation created something, got a patent and a copyright on it, could you now take it away from them and use it the way you, if you want to be sued, I guess you could, but it belongs to the creator. Amen. They have a patent, a license, a copyright, it's theirs. Somebody designed those lovely chairs you're sitting in. There is a patent somewhere in an office with that exact design specification in it. And the person who created that is making money every time they produce one of those chairs and sell one because they own the copyright, they own the patent. So if God created man, 
Who is this patent belonging to? Ha, there's two people. Who? God. God. If God created man, he has the copyright, he has the patent on his own design. God made man his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That one doesn't take a lot of preaching, does it? (laughs) That's probably about as simple as it's going to get. He didn't make multiples. He made a male and he made a female. Copyright. Genetically stamped male, female. Genesis 5 2. Male and female created he them. Wow, it's in the Bible more than once. And blessed them. Blessed who? Who did he bless? Wow, that, that, you caught it, didn't you? So what he created, he blessed. So anything he didn't create, ah, now somebody's in the room. So what he made, he patented, put his stamp of approval on it by blessing it, blessing them, and called their name Adam in the day when he created uh, uh, excuse me, in the day they were created. Genesis 6, 19. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort. How many? Two. two. Not three. Not four. Not six. Two. That's a set. It takes two to make a pair. Mm. Hello. <laughs> Glory to God. Two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark. To keep them alive. What are we talking about? Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Noah's Ark. That's what we're talking about. Noah's Ark now. To keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female. Hmm. Let's, let's look at this for a minute. So, you know the flood story, right? God tells Noah, you go build an ark. Take every species, take two of each species into the ark. He does not say, take two males. He does not say take two females. He said take a male and a female. You're going to need these. Why? Because reproduction is only going to happen if you've got the set, the male and the female. You're not going to get it. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but it's making a lot of sense, wouldn't you say? God, I think God knows what he's doing. Wow. Who would have thought? God knows what he's doing. You're going to need a male and a female when the ark lands on the other side, you're going to need sets. Come down to the New Testament. We're still looking at what God made. This will come up again. Matthew 19 and 4. This is one of the stronger statements. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain, or two, shall be one flesh. Now, if you want to write that or capture that, please do, because the author of that statement is Jesus. I hear we're going to come again to this, but I'll say it now, and I'll come back to it and probably say it again later. Many persons arguing 
saying, well, Jesus never spoke on homosexuality. Matthew 19 and 4, have you not read? That's Jesus speaking. What did he say? He said, he who made them from the beginning made them male and female. Why? So that the man could leave his male father and female mother and be cleaved to his female wife. And those two would be one flesh. That's Jesus on the record. For those who say Jesus never talked, I've heard, I heard today actually, someone said, well, that's Old Testament. Jesus never talked about it. Well, that, there it is. In the New Testament, that's Jesus talking. Titus 1.6, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife. This is Paul writing to Titus, one of his spiritual sons, giving him the prerequisite for being in ministry. You've got to be the husband of one wife. Not the husband of one man. The husband of one wife. Having faithful children, not accursed uh, me, accused of riot or unruly. That means that if you're going to rule God's house, you have to first rule your own house. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Here's another aside. I'll give you another aside just right now. Sin is sin. Right? Sin is sin. What God calls sin, we call sin. We do not, listen very well, we do not add any extra emphasis on any one sin. It is what it is. And God who made us all will judge us all. It is not down to me to tell you, oh, your sin is a big sin. It's a number 10. Your sin is a little 10. It's a number 5. Your, your sin is, is uh, it's in the middle somewhere. It's a 6 or 7. No, that's not our jobs. That doesn't belong to us. God has given us his word. All of us must keep it. Any person who does not keep God's word has the consequence of dealing with God. You will not be standing in front of me or something. This is what I understand some Christians getting angry. I mean literally fighting angry at this subject. At homosexuality. Lesbian. I see people getting angry. I said, what are you, why are you getting so upset? It's not your word. It's God's word. Amen. If God has wrath or judgment towards someone, what does that to do with you? So your, your, your conscience should be clear. Right? Your issue, as you say to the world, is with God. Your issue is not with me. It's not personal between you and I. If I tell you that uh, drinking a fifth of gin every night and, and running all over town is sinful and wrong, and, and you say, I don't care, I'm not going to be angry with you. I'm going to be disappointed that you're ruining your life. But I will tell you, you will meet God later. And the two of you will have a long discussion about your life. And that's, that's, we're warning people, ladies and gentlemen. We're warning, this is what the Bible says. God created them male and female and put them in pairs. This is the biblical view. Yes. This is, I'll say it again, the biblical view. For those who say it's outdated, outmoded, I have a news flash for you. God's word does not have an age. It, it has no expiration date. It, it cannot get old. It's not a pair 
or a, or a cucumber that you leave out that it goes rotten. No. God's word is forever settled in heaven. And God watches over his word to perform it. Are you understanding? Yes, I know you are. Thank you very much. So when we now move to the next phase, there's a lot of text there. But if you don't prove this point very well, I know it's a bit small. I'll read it for you. Uh, by God's grace, Leviticus 18.22 Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Not to be overly graphic for the younger hearers, this is talking about sexual intercourse. For those who didn't know, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about lying down in a tent next to a woman the same way you would lie down in a tent next to a man. That's not what it's saying. It's saying you should not have physical intimacy with the man the way you would have physical intimacy with the woman. Is everyone clear on that? That's what the Bible is saying. Leviticus 18, 24. Defile not yourselves in any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. This is God talking. I'm not saying this. This is God talking. He gave Israel specific commandments and instructions that this action is a abomination, number one. Number two, it is a defilement. That's the Bible, folks. For those who argue, for those who want to say it's okay, uh, uh, it's well, whatever. I'm just telling you what the word is saying here. Leviticus 20, 13. And these are all found in the King James Version. You can, again, look them up yourself. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lie with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. You better be glad we're not living in the Old Testament. <laughs> that law would have wiped out several million right there. But this is the heart of God towards this issue. Hello? That in his eyes, what you are doing is you are destroying his created plan. Romans 1.24, New Testament, not Old Testament, New Testament. Whatever, Jesus said he came to fulfill the prophets fulfill the word, okay? So whatever he did not change or alter remains the same. It passes through the cross. The Old Testament passes through the cross into the New Testament. So when he says, I came to fulfill, that is the same way if I say, I'm taking two steps, now you come and take the other three steps. You're not changing what has gone before. You're continuing until conclusion. So he, now, we come to the New Testament, we look at Romans, and this is what we find. Wherefore, God also gave them, that's the specific target, gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Continue verse 26. Romans 1.26 For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women 
did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Are you reading this with me? Against nature. The way nature ought to function, they are using it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Against themselves. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lusts one towards another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. This is the, this is the Bible, folks. This is not me condemning anyone. This is not me putting somebody down. This is not me attacking someone. This is me standing here and just reading the scriptures. That's what the Bible says. That God calls it unclean. That God calls it against nature. That God calls it a lust that burns. You know what burning is like a fire. And it works what is unseemly. Should not be seen, should not be done. And the result of that is the changing of the nature of the people involved. This is why you will see the so-called traits and mannerisms that you would associate with a woman coming on a man when they are following that lifestyle. Their genetic code is actually changing. <coughs> in Jesus' name, we bless you. In Jesus' name. This is what is at stake here. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 in the Amplified. Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? That's a, that's a question. I guess the Lord wants us to, to ask that question of ourselves. Do you not understand that if someone is practicing unrighteousness, and practicing wrongdoing, they are not going to heaven. I have heard many ministers, many pastors saying, oh, the homosexual is going to heaven. Oh, those who are practicing this lifestyle, they're going to heaven. The Bible is telling you if you're doing what is unrighteous and wrong, you are not going in. It's not, it's not down for me to tell God who he will or will not allow in. Are you understanding? It is, the, it is his word. And I can only repeat what he is saying. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. That's your newsline headline right there. Do not be deceived. Neither the impure and immoral, nor idolaters, those who are worshiping idols, nor adulterers, those who are cheating on their spouses, nor those who participate in homosexuality. That's in the Amplified, right there. Those who are doing these things are not going into God's heaven. Am I glad about that? No. I'm sad, actually. I'm very sad. Because I love everyone. And if you're sitting there, wherever you're listening to this, and you could actually smile or be happy about someone spending eternity in hell, you are not born again. I'll say it again. Something is wrong with your spirit if you are happy that someone is going to perish forever. How could you dare have that kind of spirit in you? Get rid of it, whoever you are, whoever it is. It, it hurts my heart that people would throw their finger up at God and curse him to his face and he's put his love 
so liberally to all of us. Yet people spit in his face and curse him. Wrath is coming. Those who do these things will not inherit, will not share in the kingdom of God, unfortunately. Romans 1.31 Without understanding, they're covenant breakers without natural affection. Implacable and unmerciful. These are characteristics of those who turn their backs on God. Mark 10, 6-9. But from the beginning, we read it again. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. So there's more than one synoptic gospel. Matthew said it now. Mark is saying it. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Did you read verse 9? What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. No legal system. No judicial system, no courts, no UN, no one should be breaking what God put together. <coughs> and anybody who goes along with that, you become the enemy of God. Even the tacit person that says, well, uh, we, we all have to get along, uh, and, and it's the law now. It may be the law where you are. It may be the law in Europe. It may be the law in some places in America. They recently few years ago passed uh, the legislation that there could be same-sex marriages all over the United States. Christians were forced to accept the law. Many pastors were forced to start marrying same-sex couples or lose their 401k, their tax-exempt status, their retirements, and all the rest of it. 501c3 status. Your church cannot be tax-exempt if you refuse to marry a same-sex couple in this state that has declared it is the law. And many have folded under the pressure and said, well, guess we'll just go along to get along. It is here in Britain, and it is growing. This may be one of the last messages you ever hear on this subject. And that is not a joke. Because people, many, are afraid to death to even touch it. They don't want to be branded homophobic. They, want to, they don't want to be branded preaching hate. They don't want to be branded as being against a particular person, a personality. This is why we said you have to qualify everything you say. You have to make it extremely clear. What is it that you are talking about? Because someone will take this message and edit out every explanation down to just the scriptures that we read. See, they're against us over there. No, we're not against anyone. We are for every person coming to Christ. Whosoever will, let him come. That's what the Bible says. Jesus died for the whole world, including those who practice homosexuality. He died for everyone. No one is excluded. Only if you exclude yourself. That's it. So we are saying in the time in which we live, we are facing 
science. Is there a gay gene? Didn't they say they found it? Now we're going not off topic, but we are pulling in some data points from our secular brothers and sisters. In an article published in 2015, there was a supposed breakthrough, a scientific breakthrough. No, scientists have not found the gay gene. I'll just read it for you. Uh, the media is hyping a study that doesn't do what it says. This is Ed Young writing on October 10th, 2015. This week, a team from the University of California, Los Angeles, claimed to have found some epigenetic marks, chemical modifications of DNA that don't change the underlying sequence that are associated with homosexuality in men. Now, I can pause right there, take you back to the scripture. When people commit themselves to this sinful lifestyle, the Bible says that the recompense comes in their bodies. Even their genetic structure begins to change because of the practice. Well, we'll get there in a minute. You'll see. Postdoc Tuck Nugent presented the results yesterday at the American Society of Human Genetics in 2015 conference. Nature News, uh, Nature News were among the first to break the story based on a conference abstract. <laughs> My God. Others quickly followed suit, many using a press release issued by the conference organizers. Have they found the gay gene? The question was asked said the front page of the Metro, the London paper, you can get it on most buses now, on Friday morning. Meanwhile, the mood at the conference has been decidedly less complimentary, with several genetics, geneticists criticizing the methods presented in the talk. So they had some, some warring among themselves. The validity of the results and the coverage of the press. Uh, again, if we send you the podcast, you can pull that link out and go to the page where the article comes from. So ultimately, what we have is an underpowered fishing expedition that used inappropriate statistics and that snagged results which may be false positives. The epigenetic marks may well be involved in sexual orientation, but this study, despite its claims, does not prove that and as designed could not have. Now we quote again Romans 1.27, and likewise also the men leaving the nature or natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. What does it say next? Receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which is meat. That's exactly what happens. Through the practice, first of all, man was not designed. Lord, help me say this. Uh, to be penetrated in that way and to have large amounts of testosterone injected into himself, ripping the anal tissue. Hope that was technical enough and not too graphic. So this has now begun to transform and change the genetic markers in the individuals who are practicing. The last note says the research was conducted in persons already practicing a gay lifestyle. This is not from in vitro or children unborn. 
that they did the study. They did the study in males who were already in the lifestyle. Are you understanding? So they were not taking this sample base from individuals who had never participated in the homosexual lifestyle. They were taking this from persons who were already corrupted through the lifestyle. The Bible is telling you right there, they received the recompense in themselves. These errors are changing their genetic structure through the practice of this unnatural sin. And the scientists are on the verge of seeing that there are markers that only exist in men who are in this lifestyle. Well, how could that be? Well, we're telling you how that is. They are practicing something that is altering them as they are doing it. This is, this is huge. This is absolutely massive. One more article along the same lines. Oops. I think I just... I think I just uh, hold on. We're coming back to you. Just bounced out of my presentation. But that's okay. I know where I am. Born or bred. Science does not support the claim. Now this is the more recent article that was taken. That homosexuality is genetic. And this is by Robert Knight. Similar to the first article. The debate over homosexual marriage often becomes focused on whether homosexuality is a learned behavior or a genetic trait. Many homosexual activists insist that science has shown that homosexuality is inborn cannot be changed, and that therefore they should have the right to marry each other. Beginning in the early 1990s, activists began arguing that scientific research has proven that homosexuality has a genetic or hormonal cause. Cause. A handful of studies, none of them replicated. Are you, are you reading this with me? None of them replicated and all exposed as methodologically unsound and misrepresented. Have linked sexual orientation to everything from differences in portions of the brain, to genes, to finger length, to inner ear differences, to eye blinking, and neuro-hormonal differentiation. Are you seeing this? So these quasi-studies are trying to connect the orientation, sexual orientation to all of these things. It's in the brain. It's in the genes. It's in your finger length. It's in the inner ear differences. In the eye blinking, all these things are making up what they're chasing around and around, which is obviously right in front of them. Meanwhile, Columbia University professor of psychiatry, Dr. Robert Spitzer, who was instrumental in removing homosexuality in 1973 from the American Psychiatric Association's list of mental disorders. Do you read that? Mm -hmm. Before 1973, homosexuality was considered to be a mental disorder. It was then reclassified. Wrote a study published in October 2003, Archives of Sexual Behavior. He contended that people can change their sexual orientation. This is not a believer. This is not a Christian. This is a scientist writing this. People can change their sexual orientation from homosexual to heterosexual. Spritzer interviewed more than 200 people, most of whom claimed that through reparative therapy counseling, 
their desires for same-sex partners either diminished significantly or they changed over to heterosexual orientation. Although still a proponent of homosexual activism, Spitzer has been attacked unmercifully by former admirers for this breach of the ideology that people are born gay and can't change. The immutability is a central tenet of demands for gay rights and gay marriage. Are you, are you seeing what's happening here? So one of their very own, even though he fought for gay rights, reclassified this destination of homosexuality as not being a mental illness anymore, yet he himself has to say that there are cases reported where a person goes from being homosexual practicing to being heterosexual. If it were a genetic certainty and they were born that way, you couldn't change it. You couldn't change it. Now you can take a medication to change the pigmentation of your skin. There are those who are deceased that we can point to and show you can change your skin from being white to being black or from being black to being white. We, we know this. But it, it comes at an outside introduction in order to do that. Are you, are you seeing that? So without something, as we said earlier, how can, it, how can the water in the tub rise unless something is open? How can it change unless something else is open? Because no single study can be regarded as definitive. More research on people who have over, overcome, listen, overcome homosexuality needs to be done. But a considerable body of previous literature about change from homosexuality to heterosexuality has been compiled. And the sheer number of exceptions to the, quote, born gay theory should be a warning to researchers and media to proceed with caution before declaring that science has proved that homosexuality is genetic. So even in this fight, even in this battle, those who are trying to use science to justify sin are not winning. So you understand Trying to use science to justify sin, still there is no conclusion. We're nearly to a stopping point now. Consider the following issues. If one is saying that the numbers are not increasing, that there are just more persons coming out from their sexual identity, that is another statement. So if we're saying that they were always there, we just didn't know that they were there, and now they are declaring we are there, then that's a different argument altogether. The emergence of so many variations of sexual identification could be due to the times in which we live becoming more and more conducive to their being, quote, out of the closet. If you set the parameters where it's now acceptable, if you want to paint your hair green, purple, and yellow and walk down the street with one pants leg on and one pants leg off, society will say what to you? Nothing. <laughs> they won't say, they'll look at you, they won't say anything. So we're in the culture where everything goes. When they have the gay pride parades in San Francisco, half the things that are going down the street, no one in this room would be comfortable looking at, certainly not the children. And the displays 
the, the blatant displays of sexual copulation with men on men is right in the face of the public and the news media and the camera and everyone who's there celebrating the freedom. So if the conditions in our society are not just tolerance, I have a, a list here. I'll read it in a minute because it's, it's very vital to where we're going. Uh, the public acceptance emboldens and attracts many to go after what either they either have been seduced to desire or what they feel will give them a different life experience. These are all data points compiled. There was a time when interracial marriage was illegal in America, but that meant that no persons of a different ethnic background, uh, excuse me, that does not mean that no person of any different ethnic background wanted to marry during that period, no. Doesn't mean that no one wanted to get married who was on opposite racial lines. It didn't mean that. But because as soon as the laws were relaxed, persons began to date and marry across those lines. When there was opposition to interracial marriage, you couldn't marry someone of another color. He would be killed, punished, imprisoned, or arrested. As soon as the laws were relaxed, guess what happened? People began to do it. So it is a fact, if there is something standing in front of a person, restricting them, that is not the same as saying the person doesn't want to do the thing. That's saying they are being held back by something. Are you understanding? So if we, the same way we talk about righteousness, what's keeping you from going out and committing sin? The Holy Spirit. He is the inhibitor inside of you. He's keeping you from doing what you would otherwise do. How do I know that? Because before you had the Holy Spirit, you did. That's your evidence. Your lifestyle before Christ testifies of what you would do if there was no Christ. The same way with evidence here, if the laws and the land are coming down further and further, people are running riot, and they will only get worse and do more and more. What? No restriction. No resistance. We're almost there. Stay with me just a moment here. Public and legal support for alternative lifestyle means that they are no longer considered as alternate but mainstream. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Read it again. Let every man, male, have his male own wife, female, and let every woman, female, have her own husband, male. That is the solution. The reason why I had to get through that was to read this. There's a gentleman who has been battling in this arena, has been persecuted for his stance on defending the faith, defending the Bible. He lays out a five-point cultural conquest plan. Everywhere where this agenda has appeared, these five things have happened. Number one in the agenda is tolerance. Tolerance says, leave us alone. Just tolerate us. We're not bothering you. We're not hurting you. That's stage one. Stage two is acceptance. So it moves from just tolerating the alternative lifestyle to accepting it. You should treat me equal. You should treat me just like everyone else. You should recognize my choices. You should recognize me. So don't just tolerate me. 
accept me. Now that's if you see the picture here. This is where Britain is moving through these stages. We're, I think we're down to about four. I think we're at four. You'll hear in a minute about four at the moment. So stage one is tolerate. Stage two is accept. You can't just say, oh, that's that person over there and look away. No, you have to embrace them. Which leads to step three, which is to celebrate the lifestyle. You must promote it. This is why you look on your, even though we don't, none of us watch a great deal of television, but the programs that are there, almost in every sitcom, you'll have a gay or lesbian character to make you understand it's normal to drill it down to the children to say it's normal in every classroom there will be someone in every business there will be some persons and it's not enough to acknowledge that oh that person has a gay or lesbian lifestyle they want you to accept and then to celebrate enter in and participate with their choices as if you were okay with their choices. That's the pressure that's coming on the church. You won't be able just to sit there and just not say anything. They will push you to the point of these five stages. Stage four is to participate. Include us in everything that you're doing. This is what we said earlier. If I want to get married in your church, Mr. Pastor, you have to marry me. If, if I say, well, you gave that example last week. We're having a wedding. I expect you to be there and support me, support my lifestyle. You can't be neutral. You can't say, no, I don't agree. You have to come and put your stamp of approval on what I'm doing. These are the stages. And the last stage is punish. I'm afraid that Britain is nearly there now to where you will be punished, fined, imprisoned for disagreeing with the government's position on homosexuality, on lesbianism, on the gay agenda. Ladies and gentlemen, it is on our doorstep. And we as Christians, if we don't understand how and why this is, you'll be forced into a position where you won't be able to have time to decide. They will decide for you. They will tell you, this is the law. You either keep it or you're on the other side. Now, employers are checking social media. Before they hire you, they're looking at your, if you have a Facebook account, if you have a MySpace, that's older, but if you have an account, if, if you are, are tweeting, what have you tweeted about? If you belong to an organization, if you are in a church, what kind of church is it? Is it a fundamental church? Is it a mainstream church? Employers are looking at, what do you do at the weekends? Where do you spend your time? Do you pray? Who do you pray to? Is it contemplative prayer? Is it spontaneous prayer? Is it a ritual prayer you pray? The squeeze is coming down. Why? Because we are going towards the book of Revelations and the appearance of the Antichrist and the one world system. This is not scaremongering. This is the truth. We're trying to warn every person. This is what is coming to our sons and our daughters who will stand in a room and be told, you have to accept Billy wearing his dress today and his pink hat, and you can't laugh. You can compliment him on how nice it is, but you cannot reject. 
You cannot say, well, my parents are Christians and, and we don't believe. No, 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 no. You, you are out of the school. You're at work and a subject comes up. You dare not say what you really think. And that's, that's the pressure. That's the pressure that's coming down. The moment you do, oh, you're a hate monger. You, you're homophobic. You, that's hate speech. I thought, you, I thought Jesus was about love. We, we read the Bible earlier. We heard the mind of God. He says it's abomination. And at that time, he was putting people to death. So we know what the mind of God is. And you're talking about me disagreeing with you, that there's something wrong with me. I'm not walking in love. Of course I'm walking in love. So I'm warning you. These stages are on the church. We have to have our minds clear. What is the biblical position? And how do I, which will, by God's grace, next week we'll get into that. How do I, as a believer now, address this declining world that is becoming more and more saturated? We don't have to talk about the numbers of pornography, child pornography, snuff films, abductions. We could, the rabbit hole, as they say, goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And we have got to make a stand right here Amen. in the name of Jesus. And say, we will be righteous and live righteously. And one day, yes, the knock will come on the door. The black van will pull up at some point outside. We've been listening to you and monitoring your prayers in your house, your services. We see that you carry a Bible. Is that King James Version? <laughs> and then they'll know exactly what you think. Because some of the newer versions have been so altered. In case you didn't know, there is a homosexual Bible. Yes. Oh, yes. And everything that we have read today has been altered and been changed. So they have their own Bible. They have their own pastors. They have their own church services. Yeah. While we're here now, somewhere else is somewhere else. Bob and Billy are sitting together, smooching in the aisle, saying it's good to be loved. But sex and love are not the same thing. Amen. All right? So, this week, I know, I know, God bless. This week, let us be in focus prayer about our positions in Christ. There are churches, I showed my, my wife and my son, I believe, uh, where the pastors have a first man. Pastors of the church has his man partner leading a church in many not just a couple of places many places telling the congregation it's okay it's all right God has changed his mind on the subject I don't know where or when he changed his mind I don't know where he changed it but they're saying he changed his mind it's okay now so let us pray seriously about facing what is coming towards us having an answer to give to every man, being certain of what we believe and why we believe it. In the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, as we're coming in together, Lord, we are praying at this moment because we see as this world is becoming more and more gross and corrupt in its own ways, how it is pushing your word out, changing and altering what you created 
male and female, as you made it in beauty and in splendor to reflect you, Daddy God, even giving us the institute of marriage to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. Father God, we are praying as believers to stand fast in your word, that we would not be deceived, not be intimidated, not be pushed off of your covenant, not be changed in our determination to believe what your word has said. Daddy God, increase us in love that we may address these issues and address these persons in the love of God, not with anger, not with hatred, not with wrath of men, but to tell the truth no matter the cost, no matter what it costs us to trust in you, to protect us, to guide us, to provide for our homes, to give us, Daddy God. We refuse any chipping. We refuse any mark of the beast. We refuse any antichrist system. We reject selling out in this last hour. But we stand on the word and we are ready to give even our lives, if necessary, for your witness and your cause. Daddy, we are praying for all the believers. All the believers around the world, that they not compromise, that not break their vow, break their covenant, that not be intimidated and love money so much that they would sell out the gospel. Lord, we're praying for conviction on every pastor, every apostle, every evangelist, every leader, every Christian spokesperson, that they would not sell out the cross, not sell out Jesus, but stand on the word to declare the truth while there is a chance and opportunity. And even those who will be in prison, even those who will be martyred, and even those who will be killed, we undergird them in prayer now, that they be bold, that they be bold in Christ, that they not give up, they not be afraid, Daddy God, to give everything for the cross of Christ. Daddy God, finally pray over these precious children, those who are in this congregation and those who are listening around the world. Father, protect them from the wicked and the vile and the perverse and the perverters. Protect them, Father God, from every wicked institute that would come up on them to ruin them sexually, to exploit them. Protect them from every pedophile. Protect them, Father God, from every molester. Protect them from even the school systems trying to pervert their view of sexuality in the name of Jesus. Secure them. Father, we pray again for those who are in this lifestyle. If they have heard this word, that they would turn their hearts to God, that you would restore in them the true nature that you gave them in the beginning as you made them male and female, that you break every deception of the mind, that you break every deception of the spirit, that you loose them from everything, holding them in a lifestyle that's against your word, that the love of God reach to them and that you draw them, that they not fall away, Daddy God. Deliver as many as you will. Deliver them, Father. God, that there is hope in the cross, hope in Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. And we seal this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Find your neighbor.